Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the Hospital Finance Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mary Devine, who is the Director of Revenue Cycle Services here at Bessler. And Mary is going to talk with us about an issue that hospitals deal with every day, but how they deal with it can really affect their reimbursement. And that's hospital to hospital transfers. So Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. So Mary, let's set up the discussion by talking about factors that affect how a hospital makes a decision to transfer a patient to another facility. Sure. So I think when we talk about um, transferring a patient from hospital to hospital, the number one decision, it has to be for um, a medical reason that you're transferring that patient, or it could potentially be a request of the patient, but it's never an easy one for a doctor or a patient to make that decision. So, and it always should be from a medical necessity reason for the patient and really at the heart of the decision. And um, this, this type of decision does impact the reimbursement of the hospital and even the physician. The, um, you know, usually you're going to see this transfer happen from one acute care facility and to another completely separate acute care facility because um, the level of care that the patient is requiring is beyond uh, what the current facility has or potentially it's for a specific uh, outpatient diagnostic procedure that the hospital doesn't really offer. And, um, but again, this has to be due to a medical necessity for the patient. And um, you want to make sure that the patient is in agreement with it. And you also need to make sure that um, the patient is, understands what's happening to the care. Right. And we know that once a medical decision to move a patient has been made and the transfer is in motion, hospitals then have to ensure that the claim being billed reflects the transfer. So talk to us about the different types of patient discharge status codes and when to use them. Um, I want to note that the intent of the patient discharge status code is really to identify where the patient is going to end up after their discharge from the hospital. Um, so whether it's going to be for outpatient work or if it's going to be for additional continued inpatient care. Um, and this could be done at the end of the hospital stay, it could be done at the end of an outpatient procedure, or it could be done uh, after the end of a billing cycle. So if we're talking about you know, some sort of outpatient work that continues on for months, like physical therapy, then you would use the discharge status code at the end of the month to then continue that, whether the patient's continuing care or not. Um, and there are many discharge status codes out there, you know, but just giving some examples of a few. The O2 that we're specifically talking about today um, indicates that the patient, as I said, is going to an acute care facility. There's an O6, which indicates that the patient is going off to receive home care. Uh, there's an O3 to indicate that the patient's going off to a sniff, um, And then there's various other ones. Again, it's intended to indicate the care that's going to be received post the, the discharge from that particular health care service. And again, it could be uh, the discharge from an inpatient or an outpatient procedure. And um, I think I'd really like to stay focused on the discharge status code of an O2. So when a patient is discharged from an acute care hospital 
and you code it with an O2, it really is indicating that the patient is going off to receive additional inpatient services. Um, and when you combine a discharge status code of an O2 with um, a discharge, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, with a diagnosis-related group, the DRG, that indicates it's impacted by the transfer, then that will indicate that the, the reimbursement is going to be impacted. And instead of receiving the full DRG, you're really going to get a per diem rate reimbursement, providing that the length of stay is below the geometric mean. And so you want to make sure that when you code a discharge status code of an O2, it is really for the in, for the patient is going moving on to receive additional care in an inpatient setting at another acute care facility. Mary, tell us about times when errors can occur due to unknown post discharge status. You know, I think the biggest error that um, hospitals face when they use a discharge status code of an O2. They forget that the O2 represents inpatient care. So the patient is in one hospital, they were admitted, and for whatever reason, the patient's now going to be transferred to another acute care facility. Um, So if I could use an example of the patient was admitted through the ER with um, cardiac issues, and they determined that the patient is requiring a cardiac cath, and the current facility does not have um, cardiac cath procedures available to that patient. And a lot of times this gets coded in O2 because the age of the patient, um, the condition of the patient, um, leads the hospital to believe that they're going to be admitted um, over at the receiving facility. But the patient goes to the um, receiving facility and they have the cardiac cath and the patient does fine and they go home. And in that scenario, the O2 is not appropriate. It should be a discharge status code of O1. So all outpatient procedures um, for that patient would be an O1 discharge status code and not an O2. And again, you wanna be careful that um, this does not reflect the highest level of code for the discharge status code because it's not always correct. And in a situation where the patient is being transferred to an acute care facility, but they're not admitted, the O2 is is wrong, and you would have received um, a smaller reimbursement based on the per diem rate versus the full DRG. Um, And I think that you just want to make sure that you understand the level of care that the patient's going to prior to um, submitting that discharge status code on your bill. And, of course, this affects physicians as well. So talk to us about the impact of hospital-hospital transfers on physician billing. So when we talk about physician billing, um, physicians, they are the ones that are doing the, the transferring. So when the patient's admitted, they can bill for the admission uh, review, and then they can also bill a discharge uh, code for the patient. But if they're transferring that patient and um, th- there's another receiving physician over at the um, acute care facility, then it cannot be another admission for that patient. It has to be, um, potentially they can combine it and it can be continuing services, but it can't be another discharge on that exact same day and it can't be another admission on that exact same day. So this really impacts um, a large physician group that has um, services at multiple facilities. You need to be careful that you're only billing one 
one admission and one discharge, or you're billing a continuing services and combining it to really get to that maybe the next higher level of that code. But you cannot bill uh, two admissions on one day or two discharges on one day. That's great, Mary. Do you have any final thoughts on hospital to hospital transfers? You know, we need to say that the first and foremost is the safety and well-being of the patient. Um, and that should indicate what occurs with the patient and where they're going and what's going to happen with them. Um, once the patient is stable, you uh, do have the right to transfer that patient and um, consider uh, the required care of the patient um, once they're stabilized. Um, and if the additional treatment isn't available at that at your facility, you must you're going to transfer that patient and make them an O2. Um, but if the patient isn't stable, you obviously have to maintain them there. And um, the other thing I think you need to think about as you talk about edits with Medicare and your billing, you want to make sure that your bill is correct when it goes out the door. You never want to always code it to the highest level of a discharge status code because that might not be correct either. You want to make sure that it accurately reflects what's happening with that patient. Um, and you also need to remember that Medicare has edits in place that are going to edit for overpayment, but they do not edit for um, underpayment. So if you put that O2 on the claim and the patient is really an O1, uh, Medicare is not going to come back and tell you. They're only going to come back and tell you if you code it an O1 and the patient really was admitted and it should have been an O2. Great insights there, Mary. And if you'd like to read more about this, just head over to Bessler.com, uh, visit our blog section, and just click on Revenue Cycle and you'll find an article that's got uh, a little bit more about this topic. Mary, thanks again for visiting us today and joining us on the Hospital Finance Podcast. Thank you. If you enjoy the Hospital Finance Podcast, please head up to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a positive review. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.